Hey guys, what's up? It's Savannah. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instincts. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah Brimer. I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're new, just go ahead and take a second and hit that follow button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly episodes here every Wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it. But before we get started into today's case, I just wanted to take a second and let you guys know something really exciting. So last year in October, October, I did something on my YouTube channel called Hollow Week. And during Hollow Week, I uploaded a brand new true crime related video every single day for a week leading up to Halloween. So for this year, it's going to be the 24th through the 31st, and we are going to have a jam packed week of every single day there will be a brand new episode of Killer Instinct. So make sure you're following because you are not going to want to miss that. I have just been overflowing my brain with a bunch of information and these cases are crazy and you are not going to want to miss it. So definitely make sure you are following the podcast. So with that all being said, let's jump in to today's case. And as you can tell by the title of today's episode, we are talking about the extremely twisted murder of Michelle Summers. This was definitely one of those cases where as more and more information kept coming out, I just thought that this, there's no way that this could be real. Like there is no way that this actually happened, but unfortunately it did. And I don't remember the last time I looked into a case that had so many twists and turns. So I'm not going to waste any time before jumping into it. So let's just get started. Michelle Summers was born on January 15th, 1957, which is actually the day after my birthday. Growing up, she was the perfect image of what you would want to be. She was a great student, she was really popular in school, and loved getting involved in a bunch of extracurricular activities like athletics and music and acting. She played the violin and she was a cheerleader and she liked acting and drama, and her sisters described her as being a dream of a big sister to have. Michelle was described by her daughters as graceful and classy and loving. Michelle was gorgeous. She was absolutely stunning and she actually was voted Miss Concord in Concord, California and that's where she grew up and she was such a compassionate, beautiful person on the inside and the out. So Michelle was a part of the Mormon Church, which is the Church of Latter-day Saints, and one day the church was hosting an event for young single people, so like a singles event, and that is where she met a man named Martin McNeil. Michelle was pretty young when she met Martin. She was in her early 20s, but right when she met Martin, she was completely head over heels, swept off of her feet. So much so that just months after the two of them met, they wasted no time before getting married, and they started their family very soon after that. Michelle and Martin had four kids together biologically between a four-year time span, which four kids in five years is a lot, but Michelle loved being a mom. This was her all-time dream. She just wanted to be a wife and she wanted to be a mother and it was something that she's always wanted to do and she wanted as many kids as possible and so after Martin and Michelle had four of their own kids, they actually went ahead and adopted four more children. Their kids' names are Rachel, Vanessa, Alexis, Damian, Giselle, Elle, Sabrina, and Ada. And Ada was actually the granddaughter of Michelle and Martin. And Ada was Vanessa's daughter, but they ended up adopting her as well. And the kids said that they had a great 
childhood growing up. Their mother was always there and present with them. For She was the type of mom that went to every athletic game or every school function. Like She was always there. Even with eight kids, she was still able to be a great mom to each one of them. Martin, on the other hand, was a different story. So according to the family and friends who knew Martin, he was always very domineering in every conversation, and he had the biggest ego. He worked as a physician and a lawyer and always made sure to mention that to anyone he ever had a conversation with. He very much gave off the impression that he was like above everyone else. He thought because he was a physician and a lawyer that that automatically put him above everyone. And Michelle's family had a really hard time with the fact that their sister was seeing Martin and even his daughters. Martin's own daughters were aware of the fact that everyone hated their dad and growing up they felt like they would have to defend him almost and they felt like because their dad came home from work and was so like loving towards them that they knew the real him so they always felt that they had to defend him. They thought that they were the only ones that knew like the real side of him quote unquote but in reality no one could ever even imagine who the real Martin was. So Martin turned 50 in 2006, and this is when things really started to take a turn for the worst. And at this point, Martin really started to get into his own physical appearance, and everyone around him kind of thought he was going through a little bit of a midlife crisis because of it. Like, he never really cared about going to the gym or being very well put together or anything like that, but once he turned 50, that all changed and he would go to the tanning beds all the time and he would go to the gym all the time and when he wasn't at the gym he would literally have a conversation with someone and mid-conversation he would drop down and start doing push-ups that's the extreme that it had gotten to so michelle was starting to get a little bit suspicious she started wondering why would martin all of a sudden want to change his appearance and be so physically you know so focused on his physical appearance and so focused on the physicality like what is going on so michelle decided to confront martin about her suspicions but when she did that the only thing martin said is that she should actually be making changes to her physical appearance too so he ended up telling michelle that she really should get a facelift and michelle wasn't really big on the idea at first and first of all if you look up pictures of michelle summers like i said in the beginning she was so stunning she was beautiful so this is the last thing that michelle ever needed. So Michelle's daughter Alexis was actually in medical school at this time and she had gone to most of the consultations with her mother about this facelift and this was during the spring of 2007. And Alexis told both of her parents that they should wait until the summer that if they do it in the summer, she'll be home for the summer so she could help with the recovery process that her mom would need. But Martin was not having it. He said that Alexis had spring break in a week and that the facelift should be done then instead so that way she'd have a week to help her mom recover and then back off to school. So Alexis was a little worried about why her dad would want this done so quickly and he just said that everything was already set up and they got the anesthesiologist and all the doctors were already signed on and it would be a lot easier to do it now instead of months later. 
Everyone was really uneasy about this facelift, including Michelle. She didn't want a facelift. She wasn't the one who brought the idea up. It was Martin really pushing it, and she was very confused as to why, but also wanted to please her husband, and so it was this constant battle that she was having, but ultimately she ended up going with the facelift. So on April 3rd of 2007, Michelle had the facelift surgery, and then she was released from the hospital on April 4th the next day. So Martin had actually requested from the doctor all of these different types of medications because remember, he is a physician. So it's very easy for him to kind of convince this doctor to like let him have all these medications that the doctor said he usually would not prescribe all at once. And these medications were, and I'm gonna probably butcher these names, but they were Lortab, Ambien, Valium, Percocet, Phenergan, and Keflex. And I know that I just threw a bunch of random medications at you that you probably probably don't understand unless you're in the medical field, but the doctor who performed the facelift actually admitted that he did not normally prescribe Valium and oxycodone for his patients, and the medications that he ended up giving Michelle are stronger than the medications he would normally prescribe. So at first when reading this, I questioned why in the world would he prescribe all these medications knowing that it's out of the ordinary to prescribe this many medications for a facelift? So this was all going on during Alexis's spring break. And so she was staying at the house trying to help with her mom's recovery process. And Alexis noticed that her mom was extremely sedated one day. She walked in and her mom was super out of it. And since she's in medical school, she did have a pretty good understanding as to what the normal response should be and how her mom should be acting. And this was so far from it. She actually went to Martin to tell him that Michelle was extremely medicated and Martin actually admitted to Alexis that he possibly went a little overboard on the medications that he was giving to Michelle. When Michelle ended up waking up out of this extremely sedated state, she actually told Alexis that she wanted to feel all of her medications. She said, I want to feel all of them. That way, when your dad gives them to me, I know what I'm taking and I'll know if he's trying to give me something that's not my normal medication. So already, clearly in Michelle's mind, there are multiple red flags going off in her head. And for her to ask her daughter to let her feel all of the medications just in case her husband tries to give her something that's not her medication, that should just show you, that should just show you how suspicious Michelle was of this whole thing. And not too long after this, Alexis was washing her mom's hair and her mom actually told Alexis, she confided in her and said, if anything were to ever happen to me, make sure it wasn't your father. Alexis said that when her mom told this to her, she became really upset and she really just didn't want to hear it because that's never something that any child wants to hear about their parents. And so Alexis's spring break was coming to an end and she was supposed to go back to medical school. And the night before she left, she said that her mom looked happier and healthier and she was coming back to being her normal self again. So she felt like it was okay to leave her mom and go back to medical school. But little did Alexis know that that would be the last time she would ever see her mom again. So on April 11th of 2007, it started off as a normal day. Martin went into work and then he had to pick up his youngest daughter, Ada, from school and brought her home at about 11.30 a.m. that morning. And when the two of them got home, Martin told Ada, who mind you was three and a half at this point, to go check on her mom to make sure she's okay because she was still in the recovery process. 
So Ada walks into her parents' room and she walks into her parents' bathroom and she ends up seeing her mom and she starts screaming because when Ada walked in, she actually found Michelle laying underwater in their bathtub. So she starts screaming and Martin runs into the bathroom and he immediately calls 911. And he told the 911 operator that his wife had fallen into the bathtub, but he wasn't able to get her out of the bathtub because she was too heavy. So instead he ended up draining the water that way she wouldn't be submerged under it. And so he actually ended up hanging up on 911 several times and the 911 call is out there so you can look it up if you want so he's hanging up on 911 several times but 911 continues to call him back and each time they call back he'll answer the phone and he's super flustered and he'll say i'm doing cpr i'm a physician and then he'll hang up the phone again once the ambulance arrived to the mcneil home it was too late though michelle had already passed away at that point So Martin soon called Alexis right after this had happened to tell her about Michelle. He said, she's in the tub, she's not breathing, I called an ambulance, and then he hung up the phone after that. So Alexis said that once she got this phone call, she immediately rushed to the airport and got back on a plane to Utah where her family lived. Once she got to her house and was with her dad, she asked her dad where her mom's medicine was because with her mom's suspicions that she had expressed to Alexis prior to this about make sure your dad isn't the one who killed me if something happens to me, she wanted to know where her medicine was to see how much she was taking and how much she had left. So Martin actually ended up telling Alexis that he flushed all of Michelle's medications down the toilet right after she died. And this is because it was too hard for him to look at them. And now while Martin thought he was getting by with everyone as this grieving husband, Alexis knew that something way bigger than what anyone could have imagined was going on. Because like we've talked about before Michelle had passed away, she had told Alexis about all of her fears and suspicions. But something that Michelle also confided in Alexis with is the fact that Michelle was suspicious that Martin was having an affair. So one night while Martin was sleeping, and this is during the spring break, this is during the facelift recovery before Michelle unfortunately passed away, Martin went to sleep and Alexis ended up pulling up all of Martin's phone records through his phone and was able to tell that he kept on calling one specific number and this number would be called at all hours of the day and the night it didn't matter if it was three in the morning or three in the afternoon this number was constantly being called so alexis decided to do some more digging and when she did she found out that the name of the person who was on the other end of the number was a woman named gypsy jillian willis So let's talk about Gypsy for a minute. So Gypsy and Martin had actually met through online DMing and it was like a AIM iChat type of deal. Martin had messaged Gypsy first and according to her, the two of them bonded over quantum physics, which take that with what you will. And Gypsy had actually known that Martin was married because get this, they have been talking for a year and a half before Michelle passed away. So they have been talking for a very long time. And so Gypsy knew that Martin was married, but said that it didn't bother her and that she did not care. The two of them actually started dating and were dating for about, like I said, a year and a half before Michelle's death. And Gypsy as a person, according to her own family, 
is not someone you would ever want around and from her family's words is not someone that they ever want in their life again. Her family described her as manipulative and aggressive and she even got into a physical fight with her mom and ended up biting her mom on her arm so badly that it left a terrible, terrible mark on her mom's arm. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of an insight as to who Gypsy is as a person. If you look up Gypsy Jillian Willis on YouTube or Google, loads of videos and interviews and interviews up by her family will come up and you can watch it. And it's pretty astonishing her whole attitude towards this whole thing, but she is going to be prominent throughout the entirety of this episode in this case. So she's going to keep coming up. But let's go back to Michelle now. So after Michelle had passed away, there had been an autopsy done on her. And the autopsy results came back that Michelle had passed away of natural causes, which made no sense to anyone because how does a 50-year-old woman just wake up one day and die? A healthy 50-year-old woman. Her family was not about to accept it. Everyone but Martin. Martin was willing to accept that, but her daughters and everyone else were not about it. So Martin was extremely adamant about having the funeral as soon as possible. So they actually ended up having the funeral only three days after Michelle had passed away. Martin's kids said that they were still having to grieve the fact that they just lost their mom and process the shock that they had just been through. And now their dad is wanting to kind of have a funeral and put it all behind him super quickly. And they didn't know how to handle that. But nevertheless, they end up having the funeral three days after she had passed away. And the first thing to note about this funeral is that Martin did not invite any of Michelle's family. He didn't invite her sisters or her niece, none of it. He actually said that if they did try to show up, that he would have police escort them out. I don't even know how you can do that or if you can do that, but that is what Martin said. So they end up having the funeral and everyone starts noticing that there is a woman at Michelle's funeral that no one really knows. No one knows this woman, but she's there at the funeral. Like Michelle's sisters and her immediate family aren't allowed to be there, but this random woman is. And no one really knew who she was, like I said, but as I'm sure some of you have guessed, that woman was Gypsy Willis. Okay, we're gonna take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. And here is the bizarre part about this. The whole thing is very bizarre and disrespectful on so many different levels, but Gypsy actually was never invited to the funeral, and she has openly admitted that. She has said in interviews, I wasn't invited to this funeral, but she went anyway. She figured out where it was and she showed up. She said that Martin didn't even tell her to come to the funeral. So this really was all an act of her own. And she said she showed up to mainly be there for emotional support for Martin. And so they're at this funeral, right? They're at the funeral and Martin pretends to meet Gypsy for the first 
time here. So the two of them start talking and chatting and having small talk. But Alexis knew what was going on this whole time because she knew who Gypsy was by the phone records and seeing that her dad had been calling this number over and over again. She was already in on it. She knew who Gypsy was. So after the funeral, Gypsy was really just desperate in any way that she could to keep Martin in her life now that Michelle was out of the picture. And mind you, they've been keeping this secret relationship for over a year and a half, and Martin did everything for Gypsy. He paid for things. The two of them would see each other multiple times a month before all of this, and Martin hid all of it from Michelle. So Alexis and her siblings, as well as Michelle's sisters and nieces, really started to piece everything together. And once the funeral was over, Rachel and Alexis, the older daughters of Martin and Michelle, said that they were going to take the younger four daughters. So they had four older daughters and four younger daughters in this family. And Rachel and Alexis said that they were going to take the four younger ones, which Martin absolutely refused. He said that he was going to hire a nanny instead to come in and take care of the younger kids. And who is this nanny, you might ask? None other than Gypsy Willis. Alexis, when she found this out, was completely just mind boggled and so angry, rightfully so. She told Martin that she knew about Gypsy. She knew that her mom was worried that he was having an affair with her and she demanded that he did not let her inside of their home. And Martin didn't listen to this, obviously. And Gypsy ended up moving in to their house. <sighs> yeah. And we're not talking a couple months, a year, anything like that. We are talking a week. A week after the funeral, Gypsy moved in to the home. And according to Alexis and Rachel, Gypsy really was anything but a nanny in the house. She didn't cook. She didn't clean. She didn't really take care of the kids at all. She was more so hired to be like a live-in girlfriend that kind of did stuff around the house here and there. And because Gypsy was so desperate, she accepted this. And Martin told his older daughters that they needed to respect Gypsy and accept her into the family and be nice to her. And if they weren't going to be nice to Gypsy, then they could get out of the house. So he basically kicked his daughters out for not being nice to Gypsy. And a little under three months after Michelle had passed away, Gypsy and Martin went to go visit Gypsy's family and introduce Martin to them as well. Gypsy's mother said that when she met Martin, Martin told her that he actually never loved Michelle at all. He said that the way he loved Michelle is nowhere near the way he loves Gypsy. He said that he loved Michelle in a sibling, friend, sister way, but was never actually in love with her like he is with Gypsy. And if that's not enough, while they were visiting Gypsy's family one night, they were all sitting together and Martin actually proposed to Gypsy. He proposed to Gypsy. And keep in mind, Michelle had not been dead for three months at this point and he is already engaged to a new woman. And you may be thinking, where is the police? You know, where is an arrest? Where is an investigation? What is happening? And that's what Michelle's daughters and family were thinking as well, but the police thought otherwise. The police report of Michelle's death was actually like two and a half paragraphs about how she fell into a bathtub 
and died. And when it came to the suspicion of Martin and the affair that he was having, the police said that having an affair doesn't prove anything and everyone has affairs, so it doesn't really have to be that big of a deal. Basically, that him having an affair doesn't prove that he killed Michelle. And Michelle's family was furious, but they knew that they had to take matters into their own hands, so they started their own investigation. So here's where things get a little wild. So during the time that that was happening, the eldest adopted daughter of Michelle and Martin, which I believe she was about 12 years old at the time, and her name is Giselle, and she was adopted from the Ukraine. And just a few months after Michelle's death in the summer, Martin made plans for Giselle to go back to the Ukraine for what was supposed to be a two-month trip to see her sister. But Martin and Gypsy had different plans. So once Giselle went to the Ukraine for, like I said, what was supposed to be a two-month trip, Gypsy and Martin were ready to set out on their plan to steal Giselle's identity and give it to Gypsy. Yes, you really heard that right. Giselle's father really tried to steal his daughter's identity and give it to his mistress. And he didn't just try. He succeeded. He literally went to court with Gypsy to change the birth dates, which by the way is a little thing called perjury. Gypsy alleged that she was Martin's wife and the marriage date that was listed on their marriage form was April 14th, 2007. And that, my friends, is the date of Michelle's funeral. If that just didn't give you chills, it gave me Oh, I had so many chills. I still get chills with that. So Gypsy also got a fake Utah State ID card. She got a fake birth certificate, three bank accounts using fake names, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. And Gypsy said that this was all Martin's idea. He came up with the whole thing himself, and she was just kind of along for the ride. And you might think, well, how was he able to get away with that when Giselle was only gone for two months? The thing is, is that Giselle never actually came home after those two months. In fact, she had been in the Ukraine for almost a year until Michelle's sister realized what was going on and she sent her daughter to go to the Ukraine and get Giselle herself. So Michelle's niece ended up going to the Ukraine to get Giselle and Giselle's living conditions were absolutely awful. She was sleeping on a pullout sofa with her sister, her sister's boyfriend, as well as their two kids. And they used a bucket for a shower. By the time Giselle came back to the United States and was back living in her home, it was April 2008, which think about it, all of this has happened in the time span of a year. Michelle passed away in April of 2007, and it's just crazy how much happens in the year, but this really put a strain on Martin's master plan because he had already used Giselle's identity. So now there are two people with Giselle's social security number, and Martin actually did end up getting caught for this one. So both Martin and Gypsy were arrested for identity theft and sentenced to four years in prison in two different prisons. And around this time is when two special case detectives in Provo, Utah, named Doug Whitney and Jeff Robinson, they were actually assigned to this case to look into it more. And this was such good news for the family because they kept feeling like they were hitting a wall with the police when they kept asking them to investigate further and no one would. They finally felt like they had a little bit of a shining light at the end 
of the tunnel with this. And this is when the truth about who Martin was really started to surface. The transcript, ready? The transcript that Martin McNeil used to get into medical school was completely falsified, meaning that he used someone else's transcript to get into medical school. And so this means his entire medical career was based off of this lie because he used someone else's transcript. And here's the thing. Martin was smart. He was very, very intelligent and very smart, but he just hadn't taken the right classes and didn't have the right amount of credits and things like that, so he had to use someone else's. Martin had also been caught in his 20s for check kiting, which is basically check fraud, and he would open these checking accounts and spend ridiculous amounts of money off of these checks, and he got caught for this, and he went to jail for 180 days but he was able to hide this from everyone. And even the schools and employers that he worked for had no idea about this. So through all of this, Martin starts now being investigated for the death of his wife, Michelle, in 2007. And pieces are slowly starting to fall together and the police are finally starting to listen. And I wanna quote what Martin said in prison about this entire situation when he had a phone call with his daughter, Alexis. So he said, quote, I am the victim. I am the victim. You can't even think that that is a possibility, that I am the victim here. My logic is I didn't commit adultery. I didn't kill your mother. I didn't have a mistress. And I don't have one now. I'm planning on getting married in the temple, and I don't believe that is a bad thing to do. There's that possibility, whether you want to accept it or not. I've done nothing wrong. I have done zero wrong. End quote. And when I listen to this, my jaw dropped to the floor because this man had stolen his daughter's identity, had an affair with a woman he had been dating for a year and a half before his wife's death, manipulated his wife into getting a facelift, which ultimately led to her being over-medicated and was most likely responsible for her death. And he did nothing wrong. Okay, Martin. So on August 24, 2012, the Utah County Attorney's Office arrested Martin for the murder of Michelle Summers and his trial began on October 17th, 2003, and he pled not guilty. And the thing to know about this trial is that everything had to be based off of circumstantial evidence. The prosecution was really trying to push the story that Martin McNeil was responsible for murdering his wife after he overdosed her and then drowned her in their bathtub at their house on April 11th, 2007. And this was a theory that the daughters and really everyone had believed all along and pretty much still believe to this day. And Martin wanted to be with Gypsy and wanted Michelle out of the way, so he was able to do that. In the prosecution's closing statement, they said that, quote, it was almost the perfect murder. Martin pumped her full of drugs that he knew would be difficult to detect once she was dead, end quote. The defense claimed that Michelle had overdosed on her medication and fallen into the bathtub and drowned on her own. Inmates of Martin, while he was in prison for the identity theft, said that he claimed to have killed his wife, but that couldn't be proven. When Gypsy took the stand, she said that Martin had told her there were ways to kill a person that would appear to be a natural heart attack. 
So the jury ended up deliberating for 11 hours once the trial was done, and then on November 3rd, 2003, Martin McNeil was found guilty of first-degree murder of his wife, Michelle Summers. He was also convicted of obstruction of justice for hindering the investigation by trying to make Michelle's death seem accidental. He was then sentenced to 15 years to life when he was 58 years old and was not going to be eligible for parole until about 2031. But on April 9th, 2017, which would have almost been the 10th year anniversary of Michelle's death, it was literally two days out, Martin ended up committing suicide in prison. (sighs) Yeah, it's a big one, you guys. It's a very, very crazy one. Gypsy to this day, though, has still tried to maintain Martin's innocence. She says that she truly doesn't believe that Martin was capable of killing his wife and that he didn't kill his wife and is stuck pretty true to that. A lot of people do think that Gypsy had a part in this as well. Whether that was her coming up with the idea to overdose Michelle, or if that was her just kind of even knowing about it all along, but Gypsy has said from the beginning that she knew absolutely nothing about it. However, she still, like I said, does think that Martin is completely innocent so take that with what you will i would love to hear what you guys have to say about this case so definitely reach out to me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com again that is killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com and with that being said you guys that is it for me today thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of killer instinct i really really appreciate it i hope you guys have a great rest of your week have a great rest of your weekend and i will see you next week stay safe guys